Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. It is Wednesday, and we almost threw down before the show. Because it is 100% Laurel. Yanny. It is not Yanny. It is Laurel. And I don't know if you, like I just sent a tweet. If you hear Yanny, just unfollow me on Twitter. I don't want to I know really you. thought you were trolling me this morning because I couldn't hear anything other than Yanny. Like there's no L in that. So I won't lose 50%. I will lose 40, no, 33%, right? Wait, 40, 43%. 43%. 43, 43. Because 57% of people hear Laurel. That's incredible the other, to me. It's, the it other doesn't 40, matter. It's so close 37. to 50. That's, it doesn't matter. That's just a certain demographic, though. That's not oh, representative of... No, that's the whole world. They, the there, whole there were a billion world. people who were interviewed I on heard, that one. I heard Laurel yesterday. I heard Yanny today. So really, my whole life is a lie. I don't know where to. I don't know what to do now. All right. Well, so it, whatever you hear, uh, you're going to be right. Because I guess there is no right or wrong answer for that one. But Let's we do have, a poll. Let's do a Twitter poll. All right. We'll put it out there. Debo, put it on there. At Canel and Bell on Twitter. We'll get a poll going. All right, we have a huge show for you. We're going to do a lot of NBA. We had the lottery, the playoffs. We're going to do some like it, love it, or hate it. And does it move the needle? All right, uh, let's dive into it because we saw the Celtics-Cavs last night. Everybody, LeBron wasn't worried. Yeah, He said, uh, hey, it's going to be fine. But I think it's time to panic a little bit in Cleveland. I know I don't like overreacting to situations, but they get beat 107-94. to 94. LeBron goes off. You could tell from the get-go as he dropped 21 in the first quarter that he was on a mission. He was going to say, I'm going to put this team on my back. They actually got a pretty good contribution from Kevin Love as he had 22 and 15. But it was not enough against a team that is just flat-out more talented than they are. They're they're just better. Um, they're better not from top to bottom, but from you know second player down. Uh, because I think Al Horford is better than Kevin Love at this point. Kevin Love did play well, and I'm going to give him credit uh, where credit's due. Like, he did his job. But when the rest of your starting lineup, you're talking about Tristan Thompson, um, George Hill, and J.R. Smith combined for, was it 11? Um, J.R. Smith was 0 for 7. It's it, You're past your expiration date, bro. Like, that roster, I look at the Cavs roster, and they're just past their expiration date. Kevin Love included. Now, he still does his job, uh, but a job well done by him, it isn't good enough. And LeBron came out, and I said that for that team to have a chance, he had to act like the best player on the floor. He didn't have to score 50, but he had to act like it. He acted like it last night. Yep. He came out and let his team know that he was there. You know, he was gonna, he was gonna lead the charge, and let's, let's take this back to Cleveland. And he had nobody with him except Kevin Love. And, you know, when I watch Boston play, they're quicker, they're more aggressive. They're, they, they're a little hungrier than Cleveland. Um, they're much better. And I was watching with my wife who was a soccer player. So she doesn't really, you know, she loves basketball and she watched me play and watches our boys. But like I was trying to tell her like soccer players sometimes they have guys that are specifically or girls that are women that are specifically goal scorers. They're strikers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so they get served the ball and they just finish. And she was a finisher. Like she just caught it and had a knack for putting it in the basket. Um, Cleveland's got a lot of guys like that, like where they they have to be served. They don't make plays. They don't create anything. And Boston has a bunch of guys that can create. And so what 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 Cleveland winds up looking like is LeBron with the ball, trying to make a play. If he doesn't get it to Kyle Korver or J.R. Smith or 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 Jeff Green in a situation or or Tristan where they can just catch it and finish it, 
It's got to come right back to LeBron, and he's got to go to work all over again to try to create something for every other person on the court. It's got to be exhausting for him. And conversely, Boston, whoever gets that ball off the rim, i.e. right there, Jalen Brown off the rim, four Cavs back in defensive transition, and he beats them all to the rack. He can create, and it puts a lot of pressure on that Cleveland defense. They can't guard anybody. They've just got a bunch of players past their expiration date, and it's I did not see it. I I, I thought at the trade deadline, getting the pieces like Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, and Larry Nance would help infuse that team with some youth and some energy. Maybe they're just not good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're too young. Maybe the jury's still out on them. But the guys that have been there, like J.R. Smith, I love JR. Like, I, I thought he was a good pickup when we got him a few years ago. Like, that's inexcusable. 0 for 7, inexcusable of starting 2 or 3 in, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, these guys are past their expiration date and they're getting exposed by Boston right now. I'm going to be real curious to see what happens when they go back to Cleveland. Cause I thought there was some serious tension on the court last night during the game. I thought you said a lot of frustration. Yeah. And, and I remember saying this when the trade was made and they had the two games before the All-Star break and they would look great. And everybody's like, Oh, this is awesome. We yeah. love it. We have this. It's great playing with LeBron. He's the best player in the world. And I said, well, let's see how they do when they face some adversity. Cause this will really be the first gut check they've had. Even against Indiana, they still split the first two and it was a good series, but it never felt like this point of desperation where they were looking around like there was some eye rolling. They were giving guys. It was just ugly. And then you saw J.R. Smith with a cheap shot against Al Horford, which I thought was totally uncalled for. You get guys hurt like that. And I thought that was a frustrating foul at the end of the game. I just, I think I'm really curious to see what Cleveland does emotionally, effort-wise, when they get back to Cleveland. So LeBron is typically known for game twos and getting, yeah. coming back really strong, right? What was it that he was really missing in this game? Or were you watching Help. it and were, were yeah, you thinking exactly. that he Help. needed to put in more effort? No, else. LeBron was fantastic. Um, you know, I do think that him getting hit in the face, it took something away from the steam that he had building. Like, he was like a locomotive. And then when he came back, you could tell that his his – you know, your rhythm gets thrown off just a little bit and it changes who you are on the court. That hurt. But I, by and large, I thought he was great. He just – he had no help. Kevin Love did what Kevin Love could do. Um, just about as well as you could hope Kevin Love could do it. And it's it just, you have to have more people helping. And I think they'll be okay in game three. Um, the problem is, the problem is this though. Like, you're gonna get JR, a better JR Smith at home. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get a better, you know, you'll get a better, probably Tristan and maybe whoever else those role guys are, Rodney Hood. Those guys go home. It's a lot easier in the playoffs to play at home with that crowd support. Um, so they'll be better. What really is concerning for me when I watch them is you, the Cavs qu- like quit. And I, and I mean like, and then the NBA in general is kind of like this now. Like you, you either get blown out by a lot or you win by a lot, right? Like, and so like the Cavs, when they go down like 15 or 16, it usually like spirals out of control. It's like a wrap kind of for them, right? Like they pack it in, we'll come out the next night. Like Boston took a blow to the chin last night. They were down 11. LeBron scored 21 yeah. in the first half. And those cats like stood right up in there and went toe to toe. Like that shows me a level of zero fear. Um, and part of the, the LeBrons, the Tigers, the MJs, there's a fear factor associated with those guys. Kobe, um, if you don't have fear, you can accomplish something. Boston is not afraid. Four fear- times this season, they've come back from 20 down. That, yeah, they, they're, they're remarkable. A lot of NBA teams, I don't know what the stats are. I would love to see them in like, the blowout situation in the NBA is more so than it's ever been, probably because of the three ball and and if you miss threes, you wind up down by like twenty points. But people get blown out and they kind of pack and guys it in. rest, yeah, for sure. The C's don't do that; they keep scrapping. There's a level of like heart there that is really endearing um, for a guy who kind of played like that. What really concerned me also about the Cavs 
and I alluded to it just a little bit, was first of all, they can't keep anybody in front of them. It was a problem in the Indiana series with Victor Oladipo, and they would spread him out, and they just can't stop the ball at the point of attack. It puts a ton of pressure on your on your uh the interior of your defense, and then they can kick it out and guys start hitting three. So Boston's tearing them up. But in transition, right, there were multiple plays where a Celtic got the ball off the rim. And I wish I had a chart. I wish I was like Kenny the Jet. Oh, yeah. I could show it. But <laughs> but when you have like four Cleveland players that are closer to the Celtics basket than the Celtics player who rebounded the ball, it's unforgivable that that Celtics player puts it on the floor and is able to beat your whole team down there for a layup. He's got to bring the ball with him. All you got to do is turn around, sprint back, and turn around. There were multiple plays like that uh, where the Cavs body, you could call it body language, you can call it. Do you think it's flat-out speed, though? Do you think the younger Celtics team is faster? Listen, if I put you in a 94-foot foot race like with a really fast Terry Rozier, it's only 94 feet. So there's only so far in front of me that you can get. We're not talking about a 400-meter race. Right. So what I'm saying is if you just – if you had a little bit of, of hustle or grit to yourself, yeah, they're faster than you, but you should be able to get your butt back there and get in front of the ball. And we should be able to get three or four sets of eyes back there. Um, and they, they're not doing that. So they just, not only is Boston better, but they're hungrier, they're tougher, and they seem to want it more. All right, so the Cavs are favored by six going back to Cleveland when they yeah. face Celtics there. So that, that makes sense. I think most people think they're going to get it. I'm concerned about them. I don't think it's time to panic because they say, hey, it's not a series until you you know you lose one at home. So we're still on the home court advantage. I think, I, but I, oh, I'm, I'm switching my pick. I thought the Cavs were going to win. I think the Celtics oh and two ninety four percent. Like if you're Owen, the team that goes up two zero wins ninety four percent of the time. LeBron is a six percenter. I'll give you that. I will give you that. But I, I am not worried. It's not LeBron right now. This has nothing to do with LeBron. This has everything to do with J.R. Smith. Um, Tristan Thompson, George Hill, the Cavs have a, these are all guys when I was in Cleveland and I was in the front office, and I don't mean to over, like just take this segment over, but when we were targeting, when I was with David Griffin and Kobe Altman, the current GM, mm-hmm. these were all guys, George Hill, uh, J.R. Smith, uh, um, Jeff Green. These are guys that we targeted back then. This was what, three, four years ago now? Like, they would have been great then. They're past their expiration date. They can't keep up with the Celtics. All right, let's move out west. Uh, game two is tonight. Game one was pretty much, I thought, went as scripted. I think the Warriors are just a flat-out better team. And then I look at it, and I'm thinking, all right, the Rockets got what they want, got what they needed out of James Harden offensively. Yeah. Chris Paul had a pretty decent game. Steph Curry was off, and you still got run. I... I have not changed my mind at all about this one. I think the Warriors are just a flat-out better team with the four superstars. Um, you may be right. You, you, no, you may be right. <laughs> well, what do you do? What do you do if you're Mike D'Antoni and you see that performance where there were several possessions where you actually had shot clock violations I don't, on the Houston Rockets who are not afraid to shoot? See, I think Houston, they're, here's the deal with Mike's offense. There's a fine line. There's a really fine line you walk between being exactly what you want to be offensively, which is shooting in the first two quadrants of the shot clock, like getting it up in the first 12 seconds, um, going ISO, finding that mismatch, which you saw them do. They searched. They ran pick and roll multiple times at the top of the key to get to get Steph Curry, and then they wanted to go ISO. You could tell that they were, they were going to attack that. There's a fine line between doing that efficiently and then falling out of flow offensively because it takes you too long and it turns into just a complete grind of an ISO game. And while James Harden scored a bunch of points – Right, fourteen for twenty-four, forty-one. Right, he yep. he had twenty-five points in isolation. There were fifteen ISO plays that he that, that James Harden ran in that game. That's way too many. And 
I know Mike. Mike's going to say that you want to run ISO plays, so maybe too many is not the right way to put it. It took too long to develop. So if you're going to get the ISO you like and you go quickly, let's go. Mm-hmm. But they just waited too long. You were down at the end of a shot clock. It, it, it That offense is not performing at optimal level, and that's what I was worried about with them and Golden State. That offense can work. Um it can be very frustrating to guard for Golden State, but it has to be done quick and with pace. They can't, it can't become an ISO show for James Harden at the top of the key and Chris Paul. Golden State is too good for that. So the Rockets ran 45 ISO plays. That was the most of any team in the last five years, playoffs or regular season. And Mike D'Antoni, he said, actually, I like, think I'm he wants change. Are we? Yeah, yeah, he did. He's like, that's what we want to do. Now you've got a guy, Eric Gordon says otherwise, says a little bit, we need to do something differently. Do you think there's a problem with I do. the message? I no, Yeah, well, here's the problem. And I've said it before about Mike. I, so Mike's philosophy, I read an article on Mike about he wants to empower players because he had a coach who empowered him at, in, uh, in, uh, in, I forget exactly where he was in, in Europe. But in an effort to do that, like I would go in and say, hey, man, Mike, you know, Leandro Barbosa, man, he's got to pass that ball, man. I'm open in the corner. He's got to pass it. And he's like, yeah, he probably should have passed it. But I don't want to tell LB to pass that because I don't want to. He would wanna... admit that to you? He would say that. Yeah. He would say, because I don't want to screw up his mind. I want him free. I want him confident. I want him gunslinging. And I respected that because he did the same thing for me. So where, yes, Mike may know fully that James Harden had way too many ISOs and it took him too long to develop. He's not going to admit that to the media or to James Harden because he doesn't want to mess James's head up. He says it. Like he wants James and Chris Paul to play against lesser players in practice because he wants them to feel like they are the kings of the jungle. Like he wants no doubt in their mind. So that's the that's that's the only thing about Mike's system. Like if it if it falls out of whack just a little bit, he is so intent on having players not be in their own head that he's probably not going to hop in there and fix it with a heavy hand and that was just i agree with eric gordon way too much iso and here's what was interesting to me james harden comes out and says i can't do it by myself Mm -hmm. we need everybody to be at their top play which i'll get into the grammatics of that like we can do that later (laughs) but but you can't do that when you monopolize the ball like, it's the Allen Iverson thing. And I said, like, you can't ask me to make a jump shot with two seconds on the clock when you handled it for 20, you know, 20. You can't do that. And right. so, you know, Eric Gordon coming out and saying that, James Harden coming out and saying this, there's uh, something not right there in Houston offensively. So we spent a lot of time talking about offense. I don't think offense is their problem. I think it's on the defensive side of the ball. Like, who do they have that can match up against Durant? Because no, Durant goes 37. He was, you know, uh, 14 of 27. He had 27 of those 37 points in isolation himself. Like, I don't know what you do. Well, here's the, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you do either. Yeah, you try to double him, but they've got shooters right, all over everywhere. the place. Um, that's the difference, right? Kevin Durant came out and Golden State essentially went ISO for ISO with Houston. Golden State just did it efficiently and quickly. Uh, when Kevin Durant caught the ball, he had it for less than a second and a half. Like he was up into a shot, into his move. Um, and he, he's in, I mean, he's six, 11, right. like, and he shoots the ball fading <laughs> away. You're not a lot you're going to be able to do with that. But the, the, the key to, to what he did was he didn't wait. He got his mismatch. He saw what he liked and he went after it. He didn't sit there and dance. So it becomes even harder to guard when you just make your mind up and you go to work. So Durant after the game, this is kind of rubbing salt in the moon. He said they haven't even reached their peak yet. <laughs> well, and I guess when you watch it, you're like, well, Steph didn't have a good night. So I guess the peak is all of them on 
fire together, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, Steph didn't have a bad game. Eight for fifteen. Yeah, he's one for five from the three. But uh, he didn't look like himself. Like people were saying, oh, something's wrong with him. Something, maybe you, he's still you know when they're at, injuries. You know when they're at their best when Kevin Durant doesn't do what he did. Mm-hmm. When it doesn't become Kevin Durant ISO that much. When when that ball is free flowing and to your point, all of them are hitting and they all wind up with twenty five, twenty six. Like that's when they're at their best. So to his point, yeah, they could be better than that. Their offense could click better. I yeah. mean, Kevin Durant was fantastic, but offensively their flow wasn't fantastic. All right, I love watching NBA playoffs. You know what I don't love watching? <laughs> the NBA lottery show. <laughs> that was some of the worst television I think I have ever seen. Yeah, I don't know if it's. The broadcast network's fault that put it on because right. I don't think it was the best produced show. But it's also, to me, it's boring to see them go ahead and introduce some yeah. representative from each team. Although Jamie Gertz, uh, the actress, yeah. was there representing the Atlanta Hawks. She's married to their principal owner. Right. They thought she was going to bring some good luck. I guess she was like – they got what they thought they were going to get, right? Like yeah. they didn't get surprised with the number one pick. Right. Uh, but they still did all right. They got the third pick. Um, so let's do a little like it, love it, or hate it. So you know I already, on the broadcast itself, I hate it. But let's go in some like it, love it, or hate it on some of these uh, players and stuff that happened. All right, Luka Doncic as the best fit for the Suns at number one overall. Like it, love it, or hate it? I like it. Um, I can't love it nor hate it just because I don't know. I know he's got that relationship with Igor Koskakov. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's a six eight playmaker that's played with grown men uh, for a long time in Europe. So you can drop him in right now, and he's he's – relatively ready to go. DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley Jr., like, they're still babies. Um, they will have more, you know, they probably have some more physical gifts, if you will, than Luka Doncic. But I think I like it just because I don't know enough about it. And the Suns just desperately have to get this right. Like, yeah. they really need to. The, it's a gift, but it could be a curse if you screw it up. Like, get it right, Suns. Don't, don't you think, I mean, I I don't know this for sure, but I'm, I was when they hired Igor. Thinking, yeah. All right. Maybe it makes sense. Like you connect the dots. They're going to sure. start to plan and get Doncic in there because he's familiar with him. I wasn't aware that he played when he was 13. You can do this. Signed with Real Madrid or some, I've, some NBA. It was yeah. Real Madrid. Yep. Signed with him at 13. Then was like basically a professional from the time he was 13. So he's obviously had a lot of preparation for this moment. But anytime you take a Euro, there's still, hey, there's still a little bit of doubt in there that creeps in. How does he uh, handle you know, the physicality and the athleticism in the NBA? That's always going to be a question. Um, as far as the Suns roster goes, you have Devin Booker, mm-hmm. you have Josh Jackson, um, and... Brandon Knight, Tyler Brand- Ulis, right. Bender so, and Chris, some young guys. So, right, but I'm trying to figure out Luka, like, whether he translates into a point or he translates into like a 2-3 that does a lot of ball handling and admittedly... I, I think they'd it? have the option to have two ball handlers, which yeah. a lot of teams are going to and have the option for Booker and Doncic to start so just, in that backcourt and kind of trade off. That could be really interesting. And to, to the point we made earlier about, like, you got you need guys that can create now. The NBA is about creating and shot making. And so, yeah, it could be interesting. Connection there. All right, next up. Like it, love it, or hate it. The Kings will land a franchise changer that they've been seeking since dealing DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, I can't. It's impossible to love it. Right. Because <laughs> right. you just, I mean... You don't know. I I like it. I'm not going to hate it. I think the odds, you know, who are their last? So, Debo, this is through the draft or is this through free agency? It's not going to be through the draft. That's what I was going to say. Number, these are their, no, the number right. two overall pick, just right. something they haven't had. So right. being bad for a while and never getting that super high pick. Here's their top ten picks since Boogie, who went number five in 2010. Thomas Robinson, ah, 
number five. Ben McLemore, uh, number seven. Nick Stauskas went eight. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein and De'Aaron Fox. Jury still Jury's, out yep. on both of those. So I can't say that I hate it, um, but I can't say that I love it because their history is just pro- pretty much what the draft is. It's like hit or miss. I'm going to say like it because, look, Luka Doncic, DeAndre Ayton, um, I really feel like those two, if you're going to get one of those two, you should be good. You should be fine. Whichever one you wind up getting, whichever one the Suns leave on the table, you should be good. So I'm going to say like it. All right. I like it, too, because I, I think there's probably odds there. Like in, in the NFL, when it's 50-50 on whether you hit, it's probably the same. Right. Like there's probably a 50-50 chance whether they get a franchise player or not. All right. Let's keep it rolling. Like it, love it, or hate it. The Yankees Nationals played last night. That is a world. That is your World Series preview. Like it, love it, or hate it. Um, I love it. I love yeah? it. Yeah, I love it. Um, the Yankees, obviously, you know, like, you know, I've hit a stride as of late. Um, you know, they're first in the American League in runs scored, eighth in average. Um, pitching is third in, in ERA. So I, I like the Yankees. The Nationals for me are, the Nationals for me are, are an interesting thing. And I'm going to pull for them just because of like the proximity. Like I like the New York, Washington yeah. thing. I like, like, the Nats have been like knocking on the door for a while now, so I like them to get over the hump. Like I could go through their third in the National League ERA too, uh, you know, and and they're you know they got Bryce Harper their fourth in runs scored. So I, I'm I'm gonna say yes just because I don't know baseball like that, but I'm pulling for the Nats and I like the Yanks. I love it. I love the Yanks. That's my team. I want to see them. They're playing like the best team right now in baseball. You could make a really strong case that Houston's gonna be right back there too. Yeah. I think the the American League Championship Series is gonna be insane. When I look at the National League. I'd probably say let's go. I like the star power too. Like let's get Bryce Harper up there. Let's finally get this team yep. to get through their playoff hurdles. I the star power that would be involved too with these two teams, the markets. It would be good for baseball. So I, I'm all down for it. I would love to see it happen. All right, like it, love it, or hate it. There was other baseball news. So Robinson Cano got ba- uh, he got <laughs> popped for 80 games Ooh. without pay for testing positive for banned substance. So he tested positive for the diuretic furosemide. Rosem aside, I'll go with that. Just say it with confidence and nobody will know. So his quote after, and they always have an excuse, as Justin Verlander pointed out on Twitter, because as soon as the news came out, he said, three, two, one, get the excuse ready. This is Cano's quote. Recently, I learned that I tested positive for a substance called furosemide. <laughs> furosemide. We'll add a couple of syllables yeah. in there. Which is not a performance-enhancing substance. For more than 15 years, playing professional baseball has been the greatest honor and privilege of my life. I would never do anything to cheat the rules of the game. Of course not. And after undergoing dozens of drug tests over more than a decade, I've never tested positive for performance-enhancing substance for the simple reason I've never taken one. Uh... That's a bunch of BS. He absolutely did it. If you listen to the MLB, they do not give out positive uh, test punishments like this unless it is pretty locked down and they have it. Um, they have to provide proof that the, he intended to use it as a masking agent. They already did that. That's why there was no appeal already. It's going to happen. He's going to start serving his suspension today. I think this is just kind of the part of the baseball cloud that's hanging over it. It didn't surprise me at all. He's 35. He's getting up there. He's trying to extend his career. It wasn't a surprise shocker to me. So I hate his excuse. Um, this is for the, the excuse. Do I like it, love yeah. it, or hate it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I guess ultimately I don't care because we've talked about this before. How much did Robinson Cano sign for when he signed? He went to Seattle, right? When yeah. he signed that big it deal. It was a the 200, I believe. Yeah. So... <laughs> If performing ha- enhancing like drugs are going to get me 200 and change, yep, uh, and I'm going to get popped for them at some point, 
and only lose 80 games worth of pay. I'm in. Yep. It's just, it's, right. I, I don't know how else to I'm say I'm with it. you. I'm all the way in. Yep. And so eventually, this was going to happen. It's happening now. Like, I'm, if I'm him, I'm not even, like, I'm not even apologizing. It's vacation. I'm just, yeah, dog. Like, listen. Yeah, you, every, uh, let me name you 10 other players that have done it. Exactly. I, yeah, I did it too. Sorry. Bye. Exactly. I do feel bad for Seattle, though, because they have the yeah. longest playoff drought ever. Now that the good. Bills made it to, to postseason, they yeah. had the longest playoff drought. I agree. But I feel like if you're an MLB team, and I'm with you, Hannah, but if you're an MLB team, like, you've got to just, look, when you're signing a free agent, I've got to pencil that in as part of, like, right. what, and if I'm going to have him for five years and he's that good of a player, let's pencil in, like, 90 games where I'm not going to have him because of some kind of substance thing. Try this. 10 years, $240 million. Yeah, yeah, so here's so baseball, you know, we talk, I talked to Jim Bowden, actually, who actually does <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> right? Exactly. I'll do whatever you right. want me to do. Whatever. So I talked to Jim Bowden about this, and he said, well, this is proof that Major League Baseball's drug policy is working. I have a problem with that statement because I think it's still going on. I think – Players are going to see doctors who have who are experimenting with drugs that baseball doesn't even no test idea for. So right. I would say that players are always going to try to skirt the system. The other thing, if you truly wanted guys to be scared of testing positive, void the contracts. Yeah, get them. Void the guaranteed money that is there because it is guaranteed. One hundred percent of that two hundred million yeah. is guaranteed for him. If you said if you test positive, you will void it. They wouldn't do it. There's but no- because there's only the the threat of a suspension. And it's going to be a drop in the bucket compared to that $200 million. They're going to do it all That's day long. That's crazy. Even some of the guys though, that you wouldn't think would do it, like D. Gordon, his teammate, is yeah. like this little guy. And he, when he was with the Marlins, yep. he had the same thing. So it's it's just so interesting and it's, to me. Guys do it think. for different reasons. Because mm-hmm. like, when I played minor league baseball, it was before the uh, 2003, like when they all get up there in front of Congress. And they basically was the big coming. Like They busted major league baseball. It was prevalent. It was all over the place. Guys were like asking, hey – can you come shoot me up after you know batting practice? Yeah. And the thing I was surprised at, to Hannah's point, is a lot of these guys I looked at, I'm like, well, they're not shredded. They're not big. Some of the guys looked um, skinny fat. Right. You know, like we were talking about the other day. <laughs> yeah. They look skinny fat. But the reason a lot of them did it is because of injury. Because the, and we had a, we had a stretch where we played like 21 days in a row. Mm-hmm. So they get little nicks. They get a hamstring, a groin. They take something. They can get through it faster. And so it's not always like you picture this big Herculean guy right. who's just it's 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 the guys oftentimes you don't think it would be. Cool. So uh baseball's still just gonna have that problem for a long time. They're always gonna be trying to eradicate it, but I don't think they ever completely get uh PEDs out of the game. All right, let's move on to another segment. We call this move the needle. Ooh. So what does it do for you? Do you does it you know, does it perk your pique your interest at all, or is it something you just kinda read the headline and move on? All right. Big announcement from the Supreme Court earlier this week. They ruled in favor of 6-3, to three, in favor of New Jersey, ruling that the restriction on sports gambling is unconstitutional. So basically, you're going to be able to gamble on NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. There's some... Cricket. What? Cricket, <laughs> other professional sports. Yeah. There is some discussion about what will happen with college sports. I think it's going to vary by state. New Jersey said they will not allow... College sports, which I'm glad they're at least uh, taking that step. Does it move the needle for you, sports gambling? Um, yeah, because maybe now, like if it's easily, if it's more easily accessible, I might dip my toe. Like I might. Like <laughs> yeah. I've never really gambled on a sport, but if I can, if if I don't have to, like go through an account in Vegas and go. Been like, trying I, to hook you up for six right, months. Yeah, exactly. so but like it moves the needle for me because it's going to move the needle for you guys, and I might I might get involved to some degree, right? Like I heard some lines coming in where like if I could have bet Golden State, I guess Golden State was like a hundred and seventy 
to to like one or something like like there was value in it to me like listening on the radio this morning right, I was <laughs> well something right like if, we'll get you up to speed so I have what's not, it five what, what would have been I would have had to bet what would the line be if I had to bet like uh five grand to make twenty five hundred that's what minus two fifty so it was like that that was the line so things like that I hear but it's it's never been accessible so I think it moves the needle a little bit New Jersey said they're going to start like memorial oh day. yeah it's coming they're already. ready to go oh yeah they're ready to go Monmouth Park you're yeah. on the racetrack and start betting on sports yes sir so you've oh, dipped your toe in the water I jumped in the deep end a long time ago <laughs> so much so and see this is where I think it moves the needle so a couple reasons one it'll be a lot easier to get my cash as I've had a really hard time I had to open a bitcoin account to really? get my Patrick Reed payoff from the Masters yeah that's always fun yeah, watching that thing go up 5% every single day. <laughs> but I also think it's going to change things just dynamically, dramatically, whatever way we want it, of the way we view sports. Like when you go to a game, I think there's a couple of things from the viewing experience at the game, but also from your couch sitting at home. So I think when you go to the game, I think it's going to be crazy to think that you could go either across the street or at the ticket booth. I don't know how they're going to do that, but you can actually say, all right, Tom Brady's going to throw three touchdowns today. I'm going to bet on that. Over, that. under. Yeah, all all the type of prop bets you can get. And I think it'll be just a completely different experience when you're at the game. Like yeah. You'll be out there with your kids. Hey, come on, let's go put five bucks on Tom Brady as he throws three <laughs> touchdowns. Or does the defense get two sacks? The other thing I think it's going to do is from a viewing experience from your home or wherever you watch games from, maybe it's even at a sports bar, that you could actually use your remote control and say – there's a little button that says Tom Brady on your on your remote control while you're watching the game. Like that's that's where that, we're headed. That's the future of where we're headed. That is Everyone's celebrating that's dangerous. it. Dangerous is absolutely right. It's very dangerous. Everyone's yes. celebrating it, and I think it's good because I'd, I'd rather have it out there, monitor it, make some money off it, use it for you know at least good things. But I do think there's going to be some side effects, just like there was when alcohol was. You yeah, know, dude, you're going to have some families just like, like there will be homes with, with people that can't marijuana. control themselves. And, Absolutely, like, yeah. and, but it will be disproportionate. The, the people who are affected are lower income families, right. you know, that that are going to be hurt the worst. And I think that's they a part that are, does, which is yeah. why it's scary. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that's what I like. I uh, don't like to talk politics, but I think. I like to think of myself as a common sense person. Like, that's my political views. And I think this is common sense. Like, it is so prevalent out there already. Why don't we try to monitor it? Why don't we try to at least, you know, make sure everything's above board instead of having to meet some bookie or open a Bitcoin account to have to get paid? (laughs) All right. Uh, Do you think it actually – so the NCAA, they keep fighting it, which I completely understand. The NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball are trying to get a piece of the action. Let's get that money, Exactly. They're trying to say, hey, give us a, quote, integrity. Right. Tax. I don't even know if it's called a tax. An integrity payoff. Just wetting uh, beaks. We but, need to wet beaks. That's so the the uh, the governments are saying, "Screw you guys." That's what they're. The people that fought for this are saying, "You guys prohibited this forever." Yeah. And you all. This, you want us to turn around and pay you? I think there's still a lot left to be determined on all of this. Uh, with like the longer we go, and it's just going to be a work in progress. How does this thing iron out? How does it work? How does it impact the NCAA? Do people let, um, you know, college, do you let you gamble on college games? If you're at a college stadium, can you do that same process? Right. Go outside. I hope they don't because I'm okay with it at the NFL, NBA, professional level. I feel a little uncomfortable with it uh, at the NCAA level. So we'll see how it all plays out. All right. Big announcement from Netflix and ESPN. They have announced a new Michael Jordan documentary 
How long so do you think it is? Move the needle, bro. How long do you think just it is? Move the needle. Move the needle just for an hour. It. Like, yeah. move it. But for 10 hours. It's 10 hours. It was, it was broke down into 10 episodes? Like, yep. We don't it know sounds yet. like it. Probably. Yeah. That's my guess. Maybe five, two hours. I'm so yeah. down for this. This versus Tom versus time. Like, well, I don't blow it out of the water. On board. <laughs> so here's the only thing uh, I would question. I can't do two hours documentary, though, if I got to watch five of them. I can't do that. Did you watch I need, the OJ one? I need hour segments. OJ was long. Six yeah, it was 10 right? hours. Oh, it was 10 hours total. I thought it was six, but yeah, it was a long one. But you kind of watched. I don't it, know that I got all the way through it, honestly. Like, because really? I was that, that's I was fired up, and I think I went two two and a half, maybe three episodes in, and then it was like, who's got two hours to sit there and watch? I need an I need an hour. I need forty five minutes or less. I'm I'm. It moves the needle, but I come fly with me. The original Michael Jordan oh, documentary so was fantastic. one of the best documentaries I've ever watched. I watched that thing a hundred times. I will watch it like before games, the night before games, get amped up. I don't know if you'll ever top that, but apparently they have like 60 hours of unseen footage. They said like 500 hours. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the number was, they went through and got unseen video. You might have been too young for this. You were not. You remember like the (laughs) the video cassette? It was like the NBA superstars, right? Oh, yeah. And it was like Mike had like the uh, the Top Gun, like dun, yes, dun, yeah. dun, 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 and Larry had the um, I was born in a small town. <laughs> Do you and remember Chuck Barkley? was the warrior? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> I had that thing on loop yeah. all the time. It was the best. That was the best and like best sports video. We used hype to pass it around ever. our teams. Like yeah. you'd be like, dog, like I need my, I need it back. I need it back. <laughs> yes. uh, that one moved the needle for us for sure. All right, uh, does it move the needle? Lane Johnson. He earlier, couple, you know, shoot, six months ago after the Super Bowl was talking. About that wasn't even that long ago. Sorry, three or four months ago was talking about the Patriots' uh, environment, and a lot of it was alluding to Chris Long, who he talked to, I'm sure. So he's now mad at the Patriots' arrogance. So he quote said, "There was obviously some stuff said behind closed doors. Their owner talking bleep to our owner, Bill talking bleep to our coach, Doug Peterson before the game. I'm not going to say it, but a lot of bleep kind of build up to that, and I just got tired of hearing about it, man. To be honest, uh, yeah, I don't care." Like, yeah, it's like, old I, news. like yeah, I was more interested like, when he said that they they didn't have any fun because I thought that confirmed fear based. What I, yeah, fear yeah. based. Because uh, I already knew that. That was kind of refreshing to hear somebody actually call him out on it. Right. Um, all right. Does it move the needle? Hedge fund manager David Tepper signs a deal to buy the Panthers for two point two billion dollars in cash. Like we talk about Robinson Cano, two hundred million. Damn. This is two point two billion. And, Let me just write that and check. Kizzle? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh I was a little bummed that it didn't have the group with P. Diddy and Steph Curry and, Steph, and yeah. get some other guys involved to get some African American ownership. I uh, wish yeah. that could have happened, but I agree, but you know move yeah, I don't know that that moves the needle. Other than right. two point two billion in cash. Right. I wonder so too. Absurd. Mark that's Cuban what? said Mark Cuban had a quote that said the gambling decision just doubled every pro team's value. Really? So I wonder if David Tepper's thinking, Man, I wish I would have had this deal. Or I mean, he's thinking he got <laughs> a week the deal that no, he or got no. the deal. The he Panthers the one who got yeah. hosed. Yeah, 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 so he yeah, got yeah. the deal locked in. Um all right, what's this Alabama one? You trying to troll me, Debo? No. Does it move the needle? Yeah. Alabama is blocking a transfer to another SEC school. So their third-year offensive lineman, Brandon Kennedy, is interested in transferring away from Bama. They are blocking him from transferring to uh, any SEC school. He wants to go to Auburn or Tennessee with hopes of playing a right away. That's He sucks. has to appeal. I do, too. I think this does suck. I mean, if a player wants to go, he still has to sit out, right? They no, because he's let a grad transfer. So if they're still trying to block, see that sucks. That's BS. It's already... the only thing that players have going for them, and this is why I tell them all to get their degree early. Yeah, is you have some freedom, you have some leverage, and they're pulling that from them. If let them go, I, like this is so. This to me makes no sense. Why 
this rule is in place. Especially a place like Bama. Dude, you right. had you brought in five five star offensive linemen exactly. this year alone. Exactly. Like let that man ride. And he graduated. Right. That's the thing. Like I don't get it. if he lost his job his freshman year and he was pouting and wanted to go somewhere else, maybe I don't but even then, if you even, if a guy wants to leave, let him leave. Correct. All right. A little bit of a troll, but it is an issue, as yeah. you guys can, <laughs> yeah, for sure. can attest. All right, let's finish up strong with some topics. What do you got All for All right, us? so Alex Ovechkin averaging over a point a game during his career and probably over a 1,000 calories per pregame meal. Teammate Brooks Orpik shared that prior to each game, Ovi orders Mama Lucia, a pasta dish with chicken parm, noodles, bread, and cheese, quote, the type that makes you want to take a five-hour nap. <laughs> it caps up 2-1, so why switch now? Something's working. Did you have a pregame meal that you had every time? I, I like pasta. Yeah, I'd have regular plain pasta, um, um, water, bread, and a little salad. That's what I had. That was it. How far before the game? Um, let's see. If I get up from my nap, we play at 7. I probably I probably had that around 4 o'clock. Yeah, I was going to say the NFL pregame meals were always four hours before the game, yeah. so it was 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. You could go in a little bit earlier. Yeah. It was like 8 to 9. You could eat. Always the same. So they had a, it, it was always in the morning because you used to play at one, you you know, one o'clock. Yeah, there was, but you didn't have to. It was on an open, it yep. was like an open brunch or whatever, but it's early in the morning. So, but they had the same meal no matter what time you played. It was always the same options. A lot of guys had steak. I didn't like steak. Yeah. I would have two scoops of scrambled eggs, like two spoonfuls, yeah. a pancake and some bacon. Yeah, that, that was, was it. Good. Yeah. And you'd be good for a game. At- yeah, cause I always, cause I was, I like eating a big breakfast. Yeah. There were times I had too much and I was like, oh, I feel slow. Yeah. And I can't be feeling slow. I'm already slow. Right. What <laughs> I can't feel any worse. Any slower. What but I had the same the thing every yeah, time. Yeah, me too. After the game after, was on, wherever. After the game, you eat whatever you want, right? Yeah. Cause absolutely. I've seen like major carb loading after a game. Totally. Like, that's yeah. typically well, what you're I starving. Say. Yeah. Especially if you, I didn't actually play much. It was just like, <laughs> whatever. We can go drink some beers. Yeah. But if you played, like you were famished. We played at, we play at night. I would eat the same thing when I was at home. Like I would eat the same thing all day. Like the same times. Like my ritual was like the same for like, I'd leave shoot around. Like I'd go have, like I'd go to like the original house of pancakes with my wife. I'd eat yeah. eggs and waffles and I'd go take my nap at 11. Like my whole day, including what I ate and drank would be the same every day. Yep. Routine. Back to the Pats. The Patriots couldn't get to Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. So in classic Belichick fashion, New England hiring martial arts expert Joe Kim as a pass rushing consultant. It's actually not too outside the box, though. Kim has consulted for 10 NFL teams. I wonder if this is the dude that Aaron Donald was working out with that he right. had the knives out. I mean, there, anything you can do to get that edge. Those real knives. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, anything you can do to get that edge, like technique-wise, there's a lot of hand action that looks like combat when you look at sure. offense of a defensive lineman going at it. So, absolutely, I'm all in it. Yeah, I think it's cool. I, anytime you can, anytime you can figure out a way to push the envelope and give your guys a, an advantage, I think it, it football, basketball, whatever competitive sport you're in, like that's that's pretty cool that you would even make the investment in that for them. So. A Lannister always pays their debts, and so does Hugh Jackson. You get that? <laughs> well done, sir. You get yeah. that reference? Yeah. I didn't know if you guys would. Well See, the Browns finished 1-15 in 2016, and Jackson promised they'd be better in 2017 or he'd jump in Lake Erie. They weren't. An 0-16 season means he's due to make good on that bet, and he'll do that, do just that on June 1st with charity involved. Do you think he'd 1st. still do it if he wasn't the Browns head coach right now? Hell no. Like if he had gotten fired. He wouldn't wouldn't show his face in Cleveland anymore. They shouldn't, like June, I mean, like Erie's still going to be chilly June 1st, but you should have made that, you should have made him do it May 1st. Exactly. No, February 1st, like right in the thicket. They'd make him jump in an ice cold thing. There's got to be some sort of punishment for that. I hear that, bro. That's rough. Hoping to raise at least $15,000 for charity so something good comes out of it. So there's Ronnie Lott, then there's Jamison Talon. 
Lot cut off his finger to play. Talon willing to pee on his in order to play. The Pirates pitcher, desperate to get back on the mound, even said he'd make a sign-up sheet for teammates to urinate on his finger if it meant his cut will heal. Guys, just go. <laughs> Wait, why doesn't he pee on his own finger? That's what I'm saying. He said, but exactly. if like his urine doesn't work, like maybe try something well, that's else. That's weird. Then it just crossed the line because it's like what, that's like an urgent thing. Like, no, right? I think it actually does work. It does, it's a medical it's, thing. But peeing used, on cuts works. Yeah, peeing yes. cuts blisters. Like a lot of baseball players have blisters. Yeah, they but pee it's on them. Used yeah. for urgency purposes. So to like have people sign up and like volunteer. <laughs> that's a little uh, extra. Yeah, it's a little over the it's top. Your time slot. Here yeah. you go. It's like already healed. Like you don't need any urine on it. Like so, you never you know had I mean? sign up sheets. No, there were never any sign up sheets. Have you guys ever? Had to I did when I had calluses from playing thing. baseball. Yeah, absolutely. That's Breaking crazy. news. Um, it's always disgusting. like the jellyfish story. Like if you get bit by a right. jellyfish, yeah. which I did, and you but did? I was so little, I don't remember. Yeah. Somebody probably peed. So you know. Now you know if it happens. I feel like it'd be harder for a girl. You're not scarred by it, so that's good. I feel like it'd be harder for a girl to aim. All right. Um, two more topics. Mike D'Antoni's wife says she's sometimes jealous of her husband's relationship and the way he talks about <coughs> James Harden. Think she was ever jealous of you, Raja? Uh, no, but funny. It kind of ties into this story. Her name's Laurel. No like, way. Yeah, her no name's way. Laurel. Absolutely. It's Laurel. I bet I, she hears Laurel, too. She's the sweetest she man. She probably hears Yanni. Their family's great. Um, but look, that's part of Mike D'Antoni's, like... It's part of his his brilliance is the relationships that he develops with guys and the look, dude. He just empowers you. He just makes you feel like you're probably a better player and you're better at what what you do than you really are. And he makes you feel like that. And like I always will have love for Mike, for uh, for Dan D'Antoni, for Laurel. Like their family's just been great to my family. Um, and Mike, quite frankly. Like help me get over a hurdle as a player in my career, and so no matter what, I don't care if Houston loses. Tonight, right, I don't give a damn. I'm always riding with Mike and Laurel. Yeah, you got Laurel's back. All right, speaking of spouse spousal stuff. Yeah, did you see what happened to Lucas Glover at the ah. TPC Sawgrass? So they were playing. The PGA Tour was there. He had a pretty decent start to the weekend. Didn't finish the way he wanted to. So he's renting a house. I'll be interested to see what Hannah thinks of this too. So he's renting a house in in Ponte Vedra, yeah. a nice neighborhood. He's hanging out with his wife and his kids and his mother in law after. His wife had been drinking all day. This is in the police report. Mm -hmm. She starts berating him, screaming at him, telling, calling him the P word, telling him if he doesn't play better, she's going to leave him and his kids <gasps> will never see him again. Just so the cops were called. Yeah. She gets arrested. There's a mugshot now out there. If you have a wife like this, how do you stay with her? Especially in your profession where it's a lot of mental confidence hard between enough. the head. It's already hard enough. And now you've got your wife who sounds like she's a little bit off a rocker, or at least when she's intoxicated. Yeah. How do you go on with your career and try to get over this? I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't think it's with her. I mean, like, right. I, you, you, dude, like if, first of all, if you're only with me because you thought I was going to be a really, really good golfer and I'm not living up to your expectations, I, like, probably shouldn't yeah. be with you in the first right. place you know and she then the rest of it is just... so he had scratches on his arm his mother-in-law had scratches on his arm like there was a physical altercation she that's why she was arrested they said because lucas glover tried to talk him out of it he's like no he's like this happens all the time right which is, you that know speaks that happens volumes the about the relationship once, right. but this is a abusive situation mm -hmm. if the roles were flipped if this was a guy doing this and the girl was the competitor there would be complete outrage like i'm wondering where are the moral police on this one? Like, there's, there should be some accountability for this one from some level that we won't hear from. 
I agree. I, I, I have a friend who um, he's in the NFL and his wife I, I grew up with and she they met in college and she um, always gets mad at him if he doesn't play well. Like they they kind of she'll she will kind of give him the silent treatment, like won't really like she'll be like, oh, I thought you should have done better. Like what you... position does he play? <laughs> no, it's <that's> not <laughs> no, obvious. Do because no, I would like, how does she know unless it's a quarterback? They I think it's just because they met. So long ago, you and would that's know. why. Oh, really? So, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. My so, wife would we would have been long done because I would play it so bad she would have been mad yeah. at me all the well, time. Well, that I don't even agree with because I just feel like I would want to avoid. I mean, I grew up being a Bills fan, you right? Feel, like my brothers didn't even talk to yeah, us. Yeah, you feel bad. Well, well, that's your right, family. You supposed to be your support yes. staff. Supposed just to come like home and be able to cry yeah. if you yes. need to. Yes, yes, exactly. exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So I think like the aggression is way overboard. Right. Like that. That should be no. Any of it, you need to you need to back your man, or you need to back your woman. That's correct. Partnership. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's wrap it up because we got to get out of here. I just want to know, can Raja, can you throw a baseball? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's up? No, I can throw a baseball. We saw no, Charles Barkley the other night. Nah, listen, we dog. just see other athletes no. from other listen, sports that can't it handle it. It is the it. most annoying thing in the world for me. And I've had teammates that I've invited to come play like in softball leagues with us and stuff because we'll play like co-ed softball. And watching them try to catch like a pop fly or – it's you can tell it's embarrassing. I'm like, oh my dude, God, no one ever. Be so embarrassing. Oh, if, <laughs> if you're a professional athlete, you should be proficient in at least four sports. Absolutely. Period. Yeah, like, you should be proficient. I so, would do it like the combines. I would say, I would say, all right, let me see you throw a baseball. Correct. Let me see you shoot a basketball. Yep. Like, let me see you do some other things athletically. No doubt. If you don't have that type of coordination, I don't want you on my I'm team. I'm with you, bro. Yeah, it's a new test at the combine. All right, that's a wrap for us today. Thanks for checking us out. Make sure you go follow us and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, in the review section, leave us a five-star review. Ask us a question there, and we'll get to it on Fridays when we do our five-star Q&A. And as always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Canel and Bell.